Hello, everybody. Welcome to the very first Everything Motor Racing podcast. Uh, we're hoping this will be a complete success, but if it's not, you're just going to have to bear with us for a little while. Uh, obviously, as we kind of get into grips with it and work things out, but this will be your number one spot for all your racing news views. We're going to have guests on. It's going to be a hell of a fun time. So I hope you stick around. Uh, I'm joined with my two co-hosts. Uh, we've got Jacob Ward from Naomoto. Hi. And we have got Keelan McNamara. How are you guys? Nice to be here. Um, and obviously, we're just going to dive straight into it with Motor3 testing. So we've had, obviously, a three mental days in the class already. Um, obviously, day one, we've seen uh, Darren Binder top of session. What do you think of that? I thought it was quite good uh, to jump straight onto the Patronus Honda and just go straight away. I thought that was very impressive. Like We all know Binder's quick. Yes. But oh, yeah. He, he's, he's definitely a title contender, but it's whether he can stay on the bike. Yes. He's got a dive bomb aspect to his riding style where he just basically just chucks it into corners and uh, hopes for the best. Yeah. Um, his brother there. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, obviously he's moved, he spent predominantly his career on a KTM, obviously after moving from Mahindra in the best of capital team. Mm-hmm. And obviously now he's moved to the Honda team, replacing Howie in the team, and is obviously joined by John McPhee. So in day one, obviously we saw Binder lead the session with John McPhee just behind, with two hundredths a second behind him. Um, it was quite an interesting day, first day in Mo3, because the times, they were a bit way off, nearly two seconds off of that record. But it was quite interesting because we've seen Philip Sarch up there as well. What do you think about that? Yeah, in terms of the Darren Binder point, first and foremost, you know, I'm we've all been very impressed with Darren Binder. Like Jacob just said, we know how quick he is. He's shown that last season and the season before. Yeah. So it was it was a bit of a pleasant surprise to see him top day one. But not a big shock by any means. He's incredibly talented and he. As we've said, we've he's shown how quick he is. John mm. McPhee right behind him. Expect him to be right at the top of the title mix for Moto3 this year. You know, in many ways, he was very unfortunate with his end to last season. Uh, you know, he was mixing it right up at the top until the last few races. And, of mm. course, that was very unfortunate for him. So, yeah, very excited to see what Darren Brender brings on the Honda. No question at all. I would expect him to be right up there in the mix with the other guys. No question whatsoever. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the Paternus team are looking really strong in Mer 3. Because, obviously, John McPhee led day two as well. Um, so obviously day two was quite an interesting day because we saw John McPhee lead the day, but we saw Darren Binder lacking a little bit down in P13, but he did improve his time on over a second. So yeah. it doesn't seem to be much of an issue, but the thing that I don't want to talk about is Philip Salach, because he's obviously yeah. staying in the snipers team, but he's come from, he's, he's been impressive because he had a wild card a few years ago, but no, and destroyed everyone. <laughs> um, was very yeah. impressive in his wild card. And obviously he raced with the Prostal GP team and then has now raced for the Snipers team this second year on the Honda. And he's getting, obviously day one, he was third. Day two, he was fifth. And then today, day three, he was ninth. And he was ninth with only five, no, eight tenths off of P1. Yeah. So... so- 
Snipers are looking really strong, both of them. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, on day two, especially media was third, Salah was fifth, but Salah, we know, like again, it's you could say it for half the field, but yeah. we know he's good. Yeah, but he came from rookies and just, as you say, running for Prostol, just mm-hmm. jumped at Bruno and just went boom. Here I am. But yeah. Yeah, last um, season he was very disappointing for me. Like I expected much, much more. I thought he would be yeah. up there. So is this finally the time? Like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm very impressed with the adaptation Salach has made, especially in such a quick period of time in testing. You know, especially when someone new comes into the class, there's a natural expectation that they fill out somewhere towards the bottom as they build their way up. Mm-hmm. But Salach and the Snipers team have really come on strong in these first two or three days of the season, as it were. So I was really, really surprised to see him in the top five. And I think that's credit to him as a rider, no doubt at all. He's adapted very quickly to the machinery and, you know, he's, he's given the guys in testing a real run for their money. I bet if you'd have surveyed the entire paddock, very few people would have had Salach in the top five by the end of day two. Mm. So it's an absolute credit to him for sure. He's made an impact already. And I'm excited to see what the Snipers team do this year because they seem very, very promising, no question. They seem to pick up pace very well. Yes. And now it's just a question of whether they can sustain it throughout an actual season. But Mm. I'm excited to see what they bring for sure. Yeah, because they've been a good team in the past, obviously, with uh, Antonelli's won a fair few races with them. Tony Abellino last year was almost won a title for them. Um, Yeah, that's it. They're a very solid team. And obviously, Mino's raced uh, KTMs through his entire Mo3 career, obviously, aside from his half season when he replaced after Sissis way back. So his back kind of... the day. <laughs> yeah, it feels like light years ago now. Um, it was, his... what, eight years ago, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because it was, I think it was 2014 it was. 2013 or 2014. Yeah. Oh, God. yeah it, was, it was a long time ago. It feels like yesterday. It's crazy. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> yeah, but because uh, Mino is one of the oldest riders in the class now, so he's got the experience under him. But he's raced in, he raced for Sky, then he left the team, and then he joined the team again last year. And yep. now he's moving to Honda. Is this a make or break season for him, or is this? Could he have another year next year? No, this is it. If think you, so? if he doesn't impress enough to pick up a Moto Two ride, he is mm. done. Same as Antonelli. Yeah. Both oh. of the are 46, Moto 3 boys. They, they, I don't see where they go from here. No, they I would have to agree chances. with that. Yeah. Absolutely. I think if you, if you're obviously looking at day three times, if you just go through the riders' names, there are a lot of riders who are on the last chance saloon this year. I think with John McPhee, Gabri Rodrigo, Romano Fanati. And uh, there's obviously Antonelli, Mino. There's a lot of riders who are approaching that age block, you know, the age limit of 28 years old. And they're coming up to that pretty fast. Mm. Yeah. And to be honest, uh, which one of those would you promote? Mm. <laughs> like, Moto2 is absolutely stacked at the minute. Like, oh, who goes up? Yeah. Yeah. Um, just to piggyback off of that, I suppose, for a bit. Um, A big part of why I felt so sorry for John McPhee last season was actually the rise in form of Jake Dixon. Mm. You know, a big rumor, of course, was that McPhee would finally get promoted to Moto2 within the Patronus setup. 
Yeah. And that was that, of course, would have been at the expense of Jake Dixon. It's mm. really un. It's obviously I'm very happy for Jake that he's picked up his form, but it's very unfortunate for John that he did, because of course that was the position that was earmarked for him at the end of the season to obviously move into. Yeah. So written into you are absolutely exactly yes, and Jacob's absolutely right. There's a lot of riders there who really are in the last chance saloon. And if they don't get promoted at the end of the season, it's hard to see where they go from here. And unfortunately, John McPhee is in that bracket. Yeah, I think McPhee's missed his chance. I think MV last year, where he was speaking to him, was his chance yeah. for this year. Oh, yeah. And I think he's blown it. I don't think he stays in the paddock after this year. Yeah, I think I think it'll be like a World Super Sport jobby because he's he's yeah. Scottish, so he's got. I think I think it was what Nicola Sturgeon was even like tweeting about him last year. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Oh, like God. he's got the support. <laughs> yeah, but he doesn't have it in this paddock, really. No, because uh, uh, like all respect to Joe McPhee, he is quick and oh, he's he wins races. He won a race on the flipping Peugeot. Like yeah. he is it a good wet, rider, <laughs> but I. He just can't seem to get out of the class. It's like he's chained to a motor three bike for eternity. <laughs> yeah, literally, it's the same as Mino and Antonelli. It's, yeah, it's, they're those two especially. Antonelli raced the very first season of motor three mm, as a yeah. full time rider. Yeah, same with um, Romano Finati as well. Yeah, th- that was nine years ago. <laughs> nine <laughs> years ago. Good oh, lord! I mean, this is that John is quite well, literally more than a third of their life. Oh well. you know what I mean? <laughs> and they beat him three. I know. I mean, it's John McPhee's twelfth consecutive season in the lightweight class. Yep. Well, and you know what? <laughs> that ties into who I want to discuss next. Yeah. Is Angavara. Yes. Yes. That a ties rookie. into what I wanted to say as well. <laughs> <laughs> a rookie, you know, who's oh, yeah. got the world at his feet. Yeah. Yeah. Because can't I mean... see him being in the class for nine years, can it? I can see him being in maybe one. <laughs> yeah, and I as think well, he's my bet for the title. No joke. Oh, flipping it. Strong words. Because <laughs> yep, we've got... He'll come sorry. through. Yeah. It, 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 he's, he's strong enough. I mean, at the end of the day, like, we've got these riders who have been in the class years. And then you've got these rookies coming in who are just wiping the floor with these seasoned veterans of this class. Like, if you look on day three, Pedro Acosta is second yep. place. He was a Red Bull Rookies champion last year winning six races in a row. And he's just come into the class. Well, and he's three second. of the rookies were in the top 11. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like He's second. He's 8,000th off of Aaron Canet's lap record. 8,000th for a rookie who's never even been at the class before. No, the track, sorry, before. Yeah. You know, that's, that's outstanding. It. And then, obviously, you mentioned Aizan Guevara, who's riding for the Gas Gas Gaviota Aspar team. And obviously, yeah. Gas Gas are a new entry. They're KTM-branded bike well no sorry they're a gas gas branded ktm i do apologize yeah but again he is stupidly quick he's 16 he is the 2019 european talents cup champion and then he went into the um fim cev junior world championship last year in the motor three class riding for the aspar team and he did the first three races yeah (laughs) he did the first three races and was quite good and then he stepped on that podium and that was it. He didn't step off the podium. He was quoted it, putting it down to being incredibly comfortable in the team, which brought results. And he won the entire thing as a rookie. He was the first guy to do it since Fabio Quattararo in 2013. Yep, literally stepped up, got an eighth in the first race at Estoril, yeah. which was in itself unbelievable. Stepped yeah. up from 
from it, etc. To that, yeah. And then he just carried on, won at Jerez, yeah. Uh, the next race, which okay, you know, it's Jerez. Jerez can be a bit weird. You think, eh, maybe it's just a one-off. Yeah, he goes to Aragon. Mm. At one point on track, he was two seconds faster than anyone. Two seconds <laughs> faster than two anyone. Seconds. Unreal. Yeah, it was just. I, I was watching it and I was honestly blown away. He is the best rider I have seen come through the lightweight class since John Muir. Yeah, he is something else. Because special. And like even Javier Artigas, who is kind of we've well, I personally, as everything about racing, I followed his career since 2015 when he was with the uh, Tony Elias uh, with yeah. the Tony Elias riding school. And he has just won everything in his path. Obviously, we all remember Valencia 2019 when he stepped on the podium. And yep. he has he walked through Moto4. He worked, went to the Rebel Rookies and was third overall, then won the European Talent Cup, then came fifth in his rookie year in the CV, then nearly won it last year. Now he's in the World Championship. Again, you've got all these fast rookies coming in. And obviously, Al Coba last year, who beat his teammate, Rodrigo, mm -hmm. And yeah. it's really worrying for these older riders. Yeah, it is. Like if, if you've been in the class more than three years at this point, yeah, I don't think you're going up. It's tough. It is, I mean, Arenas is kind of proving your point wrong there. Yeah, yeah. Arenas was an anomaly, I think. 24. He's 25 this year. Yeah. I think he's 25 like, at, like if you look down the order, like mm. even riders like Kaito Toba, you know, Toba's mm. 21. He's been in the class four years now. Where does he mm. go? Mm. Oh, you know I, mean? I have to say, though, I'm incredibly impressed with Jason Dupasquier. Yes, yeah, I am as well. He um, finally showing what he can do. Yeah. It took him a year. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, no. yeah. I mean, what are your thoughts on uh, day three there, Keelan? Yeah. Um... Pretty much, you know, it's nothing too original to what you guys both said. Day mm. three was very, very impressive. I've been really, really surprised by Guevara, as mm. you both said. I thought he's been absolutely fantastic. You know, with the Gas Gas Aspar team being a new entry, mm. again, very similar to who are we mentioning there? Who was the new entry? Sorry, it's gone out of my head. Whoever it was, it's similar to that. Your mm. sort of understanding of their need to adapt to the class. And then yeah. Guevara just came out and smashed it. Yeah. I mean, at the end of, I believe, in the overall times for Moto 3 testing, he was ninth in the rankings, Guevara. Mm. Yeah. And I just think that's practically yeah. unheard of for someone like him to come in and just do that. Oh, I yeah. I think he's been absolutely fantastic to watch. Yeah, yeah, that's him there. Ernesto Guevara ahead of Antonelli, Alcoba, Acosta, Garcia, ahead yeah. of Depasquier, Carlos Tatai, Anchu, yeah. Sasaki, Yamanaka, and Tatsudi Suzuki even. I mean, he's mm. ahead of some really, really big names in that class. Yeah. So I think both Moto2 and Moto3's testing have sprung up quite a few pleasant surprises. Yeah. And I think both classes are going to, or they've already proven to be insanely competitive, but yeah. I think they're a microcosm of what we can expect this season. Both yeah. classes are going to be even more competitive than last year. And that in itself is saying something for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think the biggest, no, I wouldn't say a surprise, 
But the rider who was just impressed me the most is Jaume Masio, who's just jumped back <laughs> on that KTM after a year at Honda, who was their most winningless um, at the Leopard team. He won, obviously, the most race, the most winningless rider in that team. So he was the best rider out of the two, um, obviously, if you look at the podium record. And he's just come in, and he's just destroyed a lot of records. <laughs> you know, it's somebody else, isn't it? Like, yeah. we, like, I just, I can't, I can't fathom it. No. When you think about, like, even on day three, he was 0.3 seconds ahead of Acosta. Like, yeah. 0.3 in motor three terms is it's light. Age. It's light well, speed. Yeah. It's, it's literally at age. And Qatar's a big track. Yeah. It's... You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like, like they, you know, there's, there's bits of everything that suits both the KDM and the Honda. Mm. So to be able to do that is just it's unheard of. Like, yeah. Let's be he honest. Is. Oh, he's easily a title contender without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah, now he's on the team as well. We know Io can make anybody a title contender. Yeah, I haven't heard Dinelli, but we'll, we won't go there. No, <laughs> he breeds but, like, world champions. Yeah, that's it. Like, he just he knows where it takes and he does it. And yeah. to have Messia and Acosta, like, mm. he made the right choice moving Fernandez up to make yes. room for Acosta. 100%. Most definitely. Yeah, 100%. I think that's an excellent point that Jacob's just made about moving Raul Fernandez up to make room for Jaime Masia to come back. I mean, look at the overall um, rankings and where he is. Like uh, Guevara, who we were just talking about, Masia's mm. ahead of some of the biggest names in that class after a year off the KTM chassis. Obviously, yeah. like you said, Declan, moving back from Honda. Mm. So I think Masia's um, definitely going to... I think he could arguably be the name to watch in the title picture just because of how impressive his testing's been. He's mm. shown he can adapt to different machinery really quickly. So yeah. he should be able to adapt to whatever challenges spring up in front of him. I would be watching Homme Masia, no question whatsoever. Oh, yeah. I, th- I think to come under Aaron Canet, obviously, because that lap time's held from 2019. So the entirety of 2020, they couldn't break the lap record. Mm. Um, so to come in and just, just beat it like that, obviously, it's unofficial, so it won't go down in the history books. But it's definitely a benchmark that all the riders across the grid now are like, right, he's got that in the bag. Well, you've got to think as well, though. It's only going to get quicker next mm. week. Oh, yeah. And then the obviously, because it's double race weekend, the times <laughs> always speed up the weekend after. Yeah. Yep. It's going to be, I oh. genuinely think we could see a 203. Oh, imagine that. <laughs> oh, yes. I, it is possible. I do agree, especially if the classes, you know, the track is clean as well because it's been quite yeah. dirty. Well, that's it. Like all, all Messia needs to do, Messia did that and he did, from what I mm. gather. Yeah. I think so, yeah. So if he grabs a, you know, a slipstream on the straight, because mm. it's a lock oh. straight, yeah. that could easily knock three, four tenths off and then we're in the 203s. Easily. Bang. Right. Moving on to Moto 2. I've got yep. one name for you. Remy Gardner. Yep. Ooh. What a start. Yep. He, uh, very, did we expect any less, though? Really? No. <laughs> like, look, without, with respect to SAG, mm. they're a B team. Ouch. So moving him on, well, they are. Like, they don't have well, the resources of they won last year's chassis last year. <laughs> yeah. They just don't have the resources. Not anymore. They do now, but they didn't last year. Yeah. But like even then, they're still not like VDS, a Sky, an IO. You know what I mean? Mm. I think those are like so, the factory level teams. Those ones, yeah. yeah. So they they've got the 
they can throw their weight around more. Yeah, because many people have said that Mark VDS is just a Moto2, Moto GP team in Moto2. Yeah, but, but expected yeah. no less. As soon as Remy gets, you know, current machinery <laughs> mm. and yeah. a team worth, worth riding for. Yeah. For want of a better term, mm. he's at the top. Absolutely, like, you know, he, he was he was featuring near the top at SAG, but that missing five yeah. percent from the race. team is there now. Yeah, he's got because he was missing that ten percent, and he was just working his butt off to get that mm. extra ten percent. And now he's been handed that ten percent and can use that extra ten percent he had working hard to just yeah, mm. he's going to be a regular podium feature. I think. Do you know who impressed me more though? Who? Ben Snyder. Yes. <laughs> like what a lap time. But consistently good as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, yeah. Uh, we, we were all saying last year, is it the NTS or is it Bo? Mm. I think he's answered it. Yeah. It's P6 on day three. And mm. he's one of, on day three, he was obviously one of few riders. He was in the 159s, but he did very well. On yeah. the, I'm gonna, no, sorry, I'm looking at day two. 158 day nine, he did yeah. on day three. He had 158 on day three. Like he was one of very few riders to get in that little break. And <laughs> Uluga yeah. was the last in seventh place. Yeah, exactly. So he is he's proven he's got the pace. Obviously, the lap time is a lot lower than that. It's 1581 set by Joe Roberts. So mm. there is obviously room for improvement. But yeah, Bo Ben Schneider has proven he deserves that KTM rider. No, that KTM ride, that Kalex machinery. Yeah, there's no KTM anymore. Back to 2018. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, very impressive. Yeah, I mean, what are your thoughts on uh, Jake Dixon, Keelan? Just real quick, just to mention what you guys were talking about there a second ago. Massive hmm. credit to Remy Gardner, just to start off with. I yeah. was really impressed with him in the back end of last season. Delighted he got a win too. I think he's mm. a fantastic rider. You don't mm. get much better, basically, premier class racing pedigree than the Gardeners. Mm. And I think he's really going to show that this season for sure. Very yeah. happy with Jake Dixon too. You know, he was, he was starting to mount a bit of a title charge towards the end of last season too. Mm. Then, of course, unfortunately, he had that crash in, was it Le Mans? Uh, it was next uh, race. Yeah. Yeah, wherever it was, he had that really bad crash, and unfortunately, that took him out of contention. I see here he's fourth overall in the combined records. Mm. Massively impressive. Expect nothing less from him. Mm. His teammate, Xavi Vierge, is fifth right behind him. Yeah. So Patronus have got their gear together. You know, they always 100%. have. Yeah, we so, could see three Patronus wins in one, one weekend this season. Easily. Yeah, we absolutely could. No question at all. Bo Ben Snyder, massively impressive. Not that doesn't surprise me, but I'm happy mm. to see it for sure. Massively oh, yeah. talented kid. The one guy I do want to shout out is, and I actually thought Jacob was about to say it when he said Bo Cameron Bobier. Yeah, I think he's made a fantastic adaptation to Moto Two life so far, and yeah. in many ways he's had the hardest adaptation out of anyone. Oh, yeah. he's come off, I believe, an R One Superbike in Moto America. Mm, and yep. he, of course, has come in to replace Joe Roberts, who's gone to Italy Trans to replace Anea Bastianini. Yep, yep. And I think Bobier has made a really, really good adaptation. And I think he's a fantastic addition to the American racing team. You know, yeah. 
stellar racing pedigree, five-time superbike champion in the States. I would expect him to do big things this season. Perhaps mm-hmm. not a win just because it's his maiden season, but certainly a podium here or there. I yeah. think he's more than got the pedigree to adapt to that bike quickly, as he's already shown. As yeah, far as I like... claim, though, because <laughs> Moto Two is, I think this is the strongest Moto Two season ever. Oh, yeah. oh, I agree with you, but I don't think we've seen a rider in Moto Two like Cameron Bobier. Yeah, very few riders bring the pedigree behind them that Bobier does. Oh, um, I'm not disagree. I wouldn't be surprised if we see a podium from him. Put it that way. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, just a That's very a difficult way, way route. Like if you look down the field, oh absolutely, of the top fifteen could podium. Yeah, I mean, I mean even in, more than that. Yeah, yeah, in the Moto Two rankings, at least seventy to seventy-five percent of the riders in the class could get a podium. Yeah. So you're absolutely right. It's probably the mo- one of the most competitive classes anywhere. There's mm. just so much talent there, and the yes. top. I mean, what is the top twenty even separated by? Like a, a second, second or two? <laughs> That's just one point zero zero three second to I mean, it's just insane, really. But oh, yeah. yeah, all those guys are fantastic. I'm really keeping my eye on Cameron Bobier, though, for sure. Yeah, I mean, the thing is as well, the tracks are completely different because I spoke to Sean Dylan Kelly. Sorry if you don't want to be talking about that. Spoken about Sean, but you're being spoken about. <laughs> I spoke about <laughs> to Sean Dylan Kelly a little while ago because obviously he raced in the rookies and he raced in the obviously the Moto America Championship and the Super Sport class. And he mm-hmm. said the tracks are completely different because the GP tracks are obviously a lot wider. They've got extra support. There's they're they're a full race track, you know, the FIM standard. Whereas the ones in Moto America, you know, they're bumpy. They got them in holes in them they're not mm-hmm. at that they standard they're narrow tarmac like you see outside on your road you know yeah <laughs> yeah you know so to a move to a class with such high standards that's pressure as well because he's like oh <laughs> yeah i've really got to step I, up my game i would disagree with you there for bobby i don't think there's any pressure on him for the first season he's not interesting no. I do because he is obviously not. He's now taken that leap. He needs to prove to himself that he can do this. And then it well, was yeah, personal pressure aside. But yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he yeah. has the most to learn of anyone. This 100%. is good. This is a learning year. He's yeah. not going to be under any pressure to do mm. anything other than just learn the class to, for a, a chai, like a proper charge of doing something next year for me. Yeah. And to expect yeah. anything of him like demand something of him podium wise i think would be a mistake yeah no that's fair i think i think the team need to obviously uh, they do realize the massive adaptation he's having to make mm. but well, he's come yeah. on he's basically coming on to everything different because mm. the tire is different a prototype chassis mm. a, you know, a, a triple chassis. yeah and this then is... putting aside the tracks that he's got to yeah. learn and learn a new paddock mm learn new new way of going about your sessions it's just, he has the most to learn and oh yeah. that's why i think 2022 is going to be a make or break season for oh, him, yeah. not 21 i mean he's definitely impressed the fact that he beat joe roberts as well yeah, that's gonna... <laughs> just shows it he just shows that's gonna great a little bit a little bit you know what did you make of our moto three champion arenas 
Um, very impressive. Ninth place overall on Friday. B- fastest Bosco, Bosco Kuro yeah, chassis, which was speed up. I wanted to explain about the Bosco Kuros, yeah, which are basically Luca Bosco Kuro is the speed up team manager. Uh, but now that Aspar have also got speed up chassis, he wanted to create equality almost. So now it's a Bosco Kuro chassis. Whereas the, the factory speed up team in inverted commas will still run speed up in their name, but the, but the chassis itself is called Bosco Scooter Runner. It's for anybody who was confused as to what this new chassis was. Good answer. Good, uh, good little bit of info there. Um, mm. Obviously, it's proven that it's working. So we've got Aaron Kanner in 10th and Aaron Butarenas, the rookie, in 9th, looking really strong on that Moto2 chassis within half a second of Sam Lowe's who we'll get onto in a second, fastest mm. lap time on day three. And yeah, they're really impressive. Obviously, Jorge Navarro is down in P17. And then we've got Yari Montea, who's the 2020 CEV Moto2 champion. He's in 27th, but again, he's only within one and a half seconds. So he's doing well. Yeah. He's just obviously adapting to the class because he was he's never ridden on this level. I think he's done a wild card back in Moto3 years ago. Yeah. But he's not. He didn't race the Moto Three class. He's got a bit of Luca Marini style because Luca Marini didn't race World Championship. He jumped in at Moto Two level. Yep, exactly. So, Montoya did make one wild card for six fifty eight squadron. Yeah, Corsa, but that's it. yeah, yeah. So he's going to have a bit of a bit of a an adaptation. And process. of course, CV Rudd still run the Honda six hundreds. Yeah, so he's not even ridden the Triumph before. Yep, exactly. So he. If anyone's slating him, because I know what people are like on social media, just cut mm-hmm. him a bit of slack because he he's flipping quick. Very good. <laughs> like, very, he very won nearly leader. every race last year in the CEV. He mm-hmm. was unstoppable against Nicky Tully. <laughs> yeah, but Tully, you know, is a good rider. He, oh, yeah. He absolutely tuned Domi Agata on his wild card. And we know <laughs> yeah. how good Agata is. Yeah, exactly. Agata's so, a motor two world race, world championship yeah. race winner. Uh, the other one I wanted to discuss was mm. uh, what do you make of Stefano Manzi's adaptation to the Kalex? Um, he's done all right, you know, P12. Um, what do you think about Akilin? Yeah, I think Stefano Manzi's made a very good adaptation to the new chassis. You know, again, with a lot of these guys, especially going on to a new chassis, you have to give them time to adapt. And I think especially with a class that's as competitive as Moto2, a lot of people have this unnatural demand for immediacy in adaptation. Mm -hmm. And I do think that's very unfair. You know, Manzi's a top drawer rider, no question at all. I see sat there in P11 overall. Mm -hmm. Um, I just, I think that's just rock solid. You know, he's ahead of Joe Roberts, Schroeder, Arbelino, Navarro, Gian Antonio, even, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I really don't see what more you can reasonably ask of him. I think to give him some time to adapt is by far the best thing you could do. Yeah. Um, I've I've never been a fan of people saying, you know, oh, he's only in P11 or P12. Why isn't he higher? Give mm. him the time to adapt to the chassis and he will give you the results. That's the mm-hmm. way I've always seen it. I yeah. think Stefano Manzi will prove to be excellent on the new chassis. Of that, I am confident. Yep, I completely agree with you. I think, look, put it this way, four or five years ago in Moto2, if you were 0.6 seconds off, you may be second. Now you're 11th. Mm. <laughs> crazy, crazy <Yeah>. time. <laughs> it's, uh, the, the move to the Triumph has definitely made the class more exciting. 
Yeah. Oh, no question. Like last year, Manzi basically performed a minor miracle, getting a pole position on an MV. Ah, on an MV, Augusta. <laughs> yeah, like quite literally, that is up there with walking on water. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be honest. So, so oh, yeah. I think he's earned the shot at being in a top team in Ponds. Yeah, they're, they're world champions and, after all. Yeah, and like Garzo's his teammate is not a bad rider. We know no. how good Garzo is. Exactly. Yeah. Um, right. One last point before we move on, because we've probably spoken about Moto Two, Moto Three for a bit too long. Don't want to bore people. But <laughs> Sam Lowe's P One. Yeah. What do we think of that? <laughs> well, what yeah. can you think of that? Expected. Yeah. Now <laughs> we do. Yeah. Now that's pressure. Yeah. <laughs> He yeah, I mean, what can, you, what can you really add on to that? You know, it's literally something you can sum up in a sentence. Mm. Sam Lowe's is probably where he should be and where he would expect to be himself, P1. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I think you, I think there's a very strong argument he is the title favorite this year. Mm. What I saw from him last season was nothing short of fantastic. Oh, you know, to pick, to, oh, yeah, to pick up a second wind in the season the way he did i felt was so so impressive mm. and he ran um he ran the guys at the top are really really short and it's yes. unfortunate with the injury that he oh, suffered yeah. because if he hadn't we very well could be saying that he's the incumbent champion had things have been different yeah. so I cannot wait to see Sam Lowe's this season. I think we'll see an even better version somehow than we did last. Yeah, I yeah. think I think I he's definitely odds on for the title this year. Do you know what yeah. I think? The the thing that got me the most about Lowe's, and you realized that he was a different rider, was at Aragon. Yeah. Turn two, everybody was stacking it. Yeah. Everyone. Like Not DG sounds. crashed out to the lead. Yeah. Lowe's was taking a different line to absolutely everyone else to ensure he didn't crash out. It cost him yeah. time. It was costing him about three tenths a lap. Yeah. But those three tenths proved vital when he won. Yeah. Exactly. So it's, he didn't need a double. The Lowe's of old would have just gone in their head first, put it full in front, good night, yeah. Vienna. But yeah, exactly, now, yeah. stayed on the bike. It was very unfortunate the way he crashed in Valencia. It wasn't a normal yeah. Lowe's crash in inverted no. commas. No. So just, that for me it, said though. everything was that he was prepared to finish because Lowe's previously wouldn't have done that. No, in this yeah. race, he has gained like every ounce of respect I could give to somebody he has gained for that race at Portimao when he couldn't even do like four consecutive laps in the free practice and qualifying and then went out and did the full 23 race laps and came home in third. Yeah, like, give himself every oh chance of winning that title, goodness. didn't he? But, yeah. Yeah. Like he he did everything he could because he was unfortunate with the injury, but you kind of forget. You can't forget he missed the first race of the season as well with injury. Mm. He was kind of on paper. It sounds like you know, oh, it's the old Sam Lowe's. You're injured twice, Mm. but it wasn't that way this time. He he suffered two DNFs. That was it. Two DNFs all season long. He used to suffer six, seven, eight, two. What you got to think about Lowe's. Mentally, now he has to be in the best place of his life. Like oh, since yeah. getting dropped from Aprilia, mm. he, he looked done for years. Yeah, you know he did. I mean? Yeah, like granted, he wasn't on the best squads, etc., best chassis, mm. but he himself looked despondent. He looked down about his about his time. Mm. Now he's smiling again, and look yeah. how quick he is. 
And he loves it. He's got picked up that monster sponsorship again, you know. Yeah, that's it. That's why he's smiling. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Look at his bank yeah. balance. Yeah. Yeah, Sam Lowe's doesn't get enough credit for how much of a cerebral and calculating writer he actually is. Yeah. Like you said, guys, in previous years gone by, especially the last couple, he'd be getting six, seven DNFs a season. Mm-hmm. And to come back from that to be where he is now, I think it shows a massive amount of versatil- versatility mm-hmm. and adaptation on the part of Sam Lowe's. And I think it's nothing but to his credit. And to their credit, I think Mark VDS have recognized that too. And it's nice to see that the team is being built around his efforts as well. Yeah. You know, oh, they yeah. clearly, you know, perfectly understandably, they obviously believe in him and they're going to give him everything he needs to get the title done this season. I mm. can't wait to see it. Oh, yeah. I think he could win the title by a margin if his head's right. If he can continue the form he had before that crash, he, mm. yeah, it, it's Sam loses to lose at this point. It's just. Yeah. I mean, that's simple. Like everybody's going to say, "Oh, it's only preseason testing," but yeah, it's more but, than that. I mean, as well, like Moto Two is going to be mental. You've got Bazzetti <laughs> who wants blood because he is <laughs> unbelievably good. He's only like Sam Lowe's. We're talking about Sam Bazzetti was only what zero point zero one three behind, so he's close. Bez is good. Like no, I say Bez is Bez is Rossi's here. Oh, yeah. he's the real deal. Yeah, he is unbelievable and then you've got obviously Remy Gardner who wants to put that Gardner back on top step you know I saw him with his Wayne Wayne's footsteps you've got Dixon you've got Vierge um, Blake is really I think Vierge could be a threat I think he's underrated I I think he's very underrated people sleep on him for me yeah 100%. 100%. So that is everything for this episode, episode one. I really hope you enjoyed this one. Obviously, this is a, it's kind of like experimental one. So there's obviously things we've got to iron out and things like that. But I'm glad to say this episode went on a lot longer than we expected. So <laughs> <laughs> we've actually got a part Sorry. two. <laughs> yeah, thanks for that. But we've actually got part two coming up this week where we explain about Dobby to Aprilia, Marquez returning, and all the preseason testing, our thoughts on Rossi to Patronus. Um, so we've got all that information coming for you this week. It's going to be dropping on Thursday. So make sure you get listening to that one. Obviously, it is audio only. But if you did like this one, drop us a like, subscribe, and we are welcome to any feedback. Obviously, this is a very new thing that we're getting into. So if there's anything you think we can improve, just drop it in the comments. I will not be offended because... You might. <laughs> I might be. Please give like, us feedback. It would be horrible, yeah. please. But yeah. any uh, feedback is appreciated because this is a new thing that we are experimenting with after a lot of people have asked us for it. So any feedback is appreciated. So... We're signing off for this episode and we'll be back this week. Goodbye.